Hello and welcome to episode 19 of Whiskey Talk from the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society. I'm Richard Gosselin, editor of the Society's members magazine, Unfiltered. We've been digging into the English whiskey scene in recent episodes with Dan Zor from the Cotswolds Distillery and Matt Mackay from Bimber in London telling us about what motivated them to create a distillery and what makes them stand out in what's becoming an increasingly busy English whiskey scene. In this episode, we head to the Lake District just across the Scottish border to find out about the creation of Lakes Distillery and the all-encompassing vision of its whisky maker, Daval Gandhi. We started distilling in, uh, you know, technically December of uh, 2014. So you can call it 2015 is when we started distillery. The uh, distillery and the site and the company was established in 2011. Uh, by a gentleman named uh, Paul Curry, our founder. Uh, uh, so, uh, you know, we have two founders, Paul Curry, uh, who, uh, you know, had a family interest with Isla Faran. So him and his dad and his brothers, they started the Isla Faran distilleries. Uh, and then uh, we have Nigel Mills, uh, who is also a Northeast-based entrepreneur. And uh, so 2011 is when uh, Paul Curry wanted to establish a whiskey distillery uh, in England. And I think uh, Lake District used to be the area for family holidays. And uh, he found this uh, amazing. It's just a positive site. It was a derelict uh, Victorian farm building. And uh, it's on the on the river Derwent and on the shores of the, the Passenthwaite Lake. And uh, he, he thought that this was the perfect place to build a whiskey distillery. And uh, I think that planning process took a long time. And because it's also a listed building, uh, the, you know, the whole, uh, you know, works about everything from changing things to renovating the inside of the buildings to uh, making everything usable as a working distillery took a long time. And uh, the planning process took a while. So that's why the distillery started producing in 2014. Now, uh, we are a single malt whiskey distillery, uh, you know, unlike a lot of other uh, smaller distilleries. And our prime focus, seven days a week, 365 days a year, is single malt whiskey. That's what we do. That's what we breathe. That's what I spend most of my time and my team spends most of the time on. And uh, we also have a separate distillation unit uh, for the gin uh, production and vodka production. Now, this is completely separate unit. It's on it's housed in the same distillery, but it's uh, a separate still that just the uh, gin and vodka production. Uh, now, a little bit about me. So the distilling started in roughly December uh, 2014, and I joined the company from McCallan uh, in 2016. And I came because uh, our current chairman, Dr. Alan Rutherford, uh, I knew Dr. Rutherford through a personal contact of mine. And uh, he said he was working on uh, this exciting boutique project uh, in England, and he was looking for a whiskey maker to join the company and develop the strategy, the brand, and also a sense of direction for the whiskey side of things and where to take it, what kind of flavor development. Now, I consider myself as a student of Sherry. That's what you know. I decided to dedicate my life on. Uh, more maturation and then even more specific just sherry cask and that's what I love doing I love sherry whiskies and uh, you know I was a whiskey maker at McCullough and that's where I learned a little bit more in depth 
about the shared task maturation. And over time, I have developed my own mentors in the industry, and that's where I learn and grow. So that was the main point. The point was to start a very luxury boutique whiskey company, and you know, take the, make all the necessary changes, whether it was something to do with you know, fermentation or, you know, the new mixed spirit in general or, you know, the maturation side of things. And uh, what Dr. Alan Rutherford uh, gave me an opportunity and he offered that he will give me a complete carte blanche uh, to come and do whatever I need to do uh, to make things happen uh, based on the vision of Paul, Curry, Nigel Mills and Alan. Uh, you know, they had a vision, what they wanted to create. Uh so that's what we are now. Our style, the house style that you know that I've been working on and created, is very, very, uh, you know, it's sherry led, put forward, and it's flavor packed. And when I say it's very, very full of flavor, so I don't know if you had an opportunity to try the whiskey makers reserve. That's our house style. That's the style that I love drinking and the style that I like making. Uh, and uh, to create that house style, you know, it's pretty much uh, a combination of different sherry casks that I use in different proportions, in a different recipe. And uh, Whiskey Makers, uh, we are just releasing number three right now. So Whiskey Maker Reserve series uh, is, uh, they have the same DNA, the same structure and the same flavor profile, but they have slight nuances in character. So the number one was quite uh, intense sherry, robust, uh, and packed with flavor, while number two uh, was a bit more restrained, more elegant. Uh, it had a bit of more American oak influence and uh, a bit more vanilla, more elegant, I would call it, uh, sherry-wise. While the number three that's coming out uh, uh, within a week uh, is going to be much more aromatic and seductive. It has a uh, you know, very aromatic influence in sense and temple uh, uh, smells that you get from all Indian temples. And I that's coming back to my childhood. I grew up in India. My grand grandmother used to take me to this temple, and I can still close my eyes, and you know, I can I can get that uh, aroma, and that's what I wanted to recreate uh, with that style. So I'll tell you a little bit more about. That's just a very quick overview. Uh, what makes us different? Uh, probably uh, not much, but at the same time, there's a lot of differences in how we perceived things, how we do things. So lakes, from a philosophy and style perspective, we follow the SWA guidelines. So uh, there's nothing that we do at lakes uh, that is different from what SWA uh, allows. Now, we don't have to do that. We are in England. We don't have to follow that. But uh, because uh, our chairman, uh, Dr. Alan Rutherford, and Paul Curry and myself, we all came from Scotch whiskey industry, and we all love Scotch. Uh, that's the first love. So you know, we thought, you know, we want to make the same style. Uh, however, we have all these different influences that I personally take. I love reading stuff and uh, I take different concepts, uh, whether it's from perfume industry or whether it's from brewing. I used to be an ex-brewer with Heineken uh, to, you know, cognac industry. And I apply all those different concepts. Uh, I call it them, you know, trans-domain or cross-domain information flow. Uh, so we start with the new mix spirit, and uh, we use unpeated barley. So uh, that's what we use for our house style. It's made up of unpeated barley, um, and uh, we just use a classic, uh, you know, distilled barley. Currently, we are using Laureate, uh, just because we used to use Concerto before, but uh, Laureate is changing. Uh, so you know, that's what we use. 
we have uh, two types of new mix spirit now this is where the fundamentals start uh, coming to play uh, what i did was to create the new mix spirit rather than you know create a new mix spirit or be you know that there's a new mix spirit and you then try to see what cast work for it or what style you want to create i took the the approach the way around because i knew the style that i like creating and i like drinking was you know very very elegant style of sherries so i looked at the style i wanted to create and what flavor profile i required what kind of maturation i required and then i worked backwards to try to tweak and change the new mix spirit to meet that flavor profile at the very end so i i started at the end of the process uh, i'm i'm a blender so for me you know it's always starts at the end and then you start creating all those flavor nuances throughout the process so uh, we at lakes uh, currently make two different styles of distinct new mix spirit styles uh, one is of a taipei uh, taipei is of a light to medium body uh, fruity estery spirit uh, it has very distinctive cucumber notes as well and that spirit is of a primary spirit that goes excuse me and the second spirit uh, is of a taipei taipei is medium to heavy uh it's slightly more meaty more waxy uh, more oily character it has a bit more body to it as well and a and a much more robust structure to the overall uh, spirit character so we currently make two at different times of the year but uh, majority of the time is taipei spirit now when you take the taipei spirit and you go further drilling uh, down for taipei we have a very clear word uh, that gives us a very very fruity and acidity new mix spirit at the very end for type b we have a much more cloudy wort which gives you a much more cereal character and is a bit more heavier structure at the very end now for type a then the complexity that comes in and i i borrowed this concept from the you know perfumer's triangle uh you have the top notes the middle notes and the base notes and uh, they all have distinct and everything needs to work in harmony to create a much more holistic uh, new mix spirit that has enough of the top notes but base it's like a good uh, fragrance that you wear you know you want the immediate top notes coming through but uh, throughout the day you want those base notes coming through slowly so to create those three tier architecture i call it the three tier spirit architecture and uh, for that we use different yeast in different combination throughout the week so uh, I'll, i'll tell you it's, it sounds a bit complicated but uh, you know so what we use is for our top notes there's a very very specific combination of yeast that is used to give me that top note to give me the middle note there is a very specific combination of yeast used and base notes has a different combination of yeast now all three combinations give me all those different proportions and based on my proportion and my recipe i will blend those new mix spirit at the end of the week uh, to create that complex layer of the new mix spirit that i'm looking for and uh, so our our fermentation times are very very consistent but the yeast usage is very different based on the type of yeast and we use three pretty much type of yeast one is a classic gemstrain that is used in the scotch whiskey industry uh but also uh, we have a heritage yeast uh that we use which was used in the whiskey production long time ago but uh, you know the use had slowly moved out because uh, it didn't give uh, much yield so it had poor yield problem but it gives you that robust oily waxy character that i love so even our eels are horrible it's like east coast down to around 300 if you use that east compared to a standard 400 uh, liters of alcohol per ton but that gives me that character which i love so we use that in combination with the french yeast as well 
So those three uh, E's that we create, create our new mixed spirit. So in a way, the spirit is already blended to create different styles before even it goes to the casks. Now, uh, for a distillation, we have two pot stills, uh, you know, very, very simple. Our fermentation times before that are much more longer. Uh, it's 96 hours uh, for our standard fermentation time because, you know, after the alcoholic fermentation, I get into the little bit of the malolactic fermentation that gives me that yogurty texture and uh, the character that I'm looking for in the new mixed spirit over time. So uh, that comes into play. And then comes a distillation. Distillation is very, very simple. Two pot still, just like scotch. We have a wash still uh, and a spirit still. Uh, for our Taipei, it's uh, slow distillation, allows a lot of copper contact, a lot of reflux, giving us that fruitier character and lighter character. But one thing we have different is we have two types of condensers at Lakes. We have a stainless steel condenser and we have a copper condenser. So the copper condenser is used for our Taipei. Uh, it gives you a much more lighter character, while stainless steel gives you a little bit more of a heaviness, uh, a, a more robustness, I like to call that, a rawness uh, in the spirit. That goes for our type B. So we can actually tweak, uh, decide what uh, condensers you want to use, whether you want to use some copper or stainless steel. And then, so for me up to this, the, uh, until the new make spirit is created, for me, that is a very, very, classic engineering controlled process where I, I like to control the parameters and it's more of an engineering side. That's where my scientist comes in to play. And I, I you know, I jokingly say that I'm a lousy scientist and a careless artist. And uh, the careless artist bit comes after the new mixed production when it's time to play with casks and casks and wood are my instruments that I love playing around with and blending. So before the spirit is uh, blended, first of all, and then before it goes into the cask, the reduction happens is very, very slow reduction. And that's something that I borrowed from the cognac or brandy industry. So rather than, you know, taking a big tank and just, you know, filling it up with water and reducing from 70% roughly to all the way to 63%, uh, we do a very, very slow trickle down reduction. And literally it's trickled down. It's eight liters an hour. So just slowly the water goes in uh, and it allows the water to integrate with the spirit very, very softly, gently. It's like, you know, uh, I use the analogy, you know, if someone wakes you up and throws a bucket of cold water on you and on your bed and, you know, you wake up in chalk. Well, if I just kind of take some water and just trickle on your face, you know, you you'll wake up gently. You wake up in a much more different thing. So I, I call it the spirit shock uh, and I try to avoid that. And we, uh, did a lot of trials and, you know, everybody in the team from people who were not interested in the spirit to people who love whiskey, everybody came to the same conclusion that no trickle down does make a big difference to us. So we do a very trickle down reduction, uh, takes a whole day to just reduce slowly. Um, and then we put into different casks. Now, when we uh, start maturation process, our predominantly is uh, sherry cask and uh, you know, we also use a very small proportion of bourbon uh, and red wine cask. And I, I I, like to keep things simple for sherry as well. I mean, we have lots of sherry that I work with uh, for different nuances and character. But the primary, the core, I call the holy trinity of my cask are pretty much Oloroso as the main structure of the backbone for the spirit. And then I have PX and I have Fino cask. And, and Fino doesn't give much impact from a wood perspective. 
excuse me, or, uh, you know, as character, but it gives you a certain nuance, uh, uh, you know, a lightness that I love uh, when I use in uh, conjunction with PX cuts. It allows me to stretch certain flavors and characters. So those are the three primary uh, cards that we use. We use Amontillado, Fino, Manzanilla. We have all different kinds of sherry, but those are the primary sherry. Then followed by is red wine cask. And I like red wine cask uh, pretty, pretty much from California uh, or Spain. Uh, and, you know, those give me that acidity in the in the spirit character. and gives me that added complexity that we, you know, associated with Lake Single Malt, uh, the Whiskey Makers Reserve. And then uh, I have a small proportion of bourbon as well, because I think bourbon casks are quite important. Uh, they give you a very, very... Uh, times where I want to highlight certain nuances about the new experiences where the bourbon cask come into play. Uh, and sherry gives me that, you know, intense, rich sherry character. So that's what we kind of do from a maturation. Uh, we have different filling strengths as well. So, you know, either it's 63 or 58. And, you know, don't ask me why 58, because... Uh, for me, that has worked. Uh, we have tried everything from even lower strengths to much more higher strengths as well. Uh, and for me, the style that I'm looking for and the character I'm trying to create, uh, 58 and 63 work beautifully well for you know what I'm trying to create. And uh, then uh, comes the process of elevage. Uh, elevage is a French term, again, borrowed from the cognac brand industry. I use the concept of elevage to, you know, take things further uh, because I think it's quite uh, uh, simple to just kind of let it, uh, you know, a whiskey sit and wait for, you know, three years, five years, ten years, however long you want to mature and then, you know, wait for some character to come out. I like to nurture those characters. I like to play with those characters from early on. And that means that, uh, you know, I start with, maybe a core, and my core might be something to do with PS, and it might have a rich dry fruit character, a lot of raisins, a lot of sultanas, uh, and then I might want to add a layer of ginger to it, a much more dry ginger character, more spice layer to it, and I might move those whole liquid to, you know, Oloroso Casas, any show. It's mostly to do with the oaks that I play around with. And then, uh, you know, I like to kind of get more vanilla layers, and then I might move certain liquid into more American oak cast. Uh, when I say American oak cast, I'm not only just meaning, you know, ex-bourbon cast, which are made up of American oak, but I'm also using a lot of uh, wine casts that are made up of American oak that gives me a different character compared to more Spanish oak or French oak or Hungarian oak. So those are the different oaks. And what I do is I'll play around with different styles, um, you know, and I, it might be that I might start with a much more lighter character. Then I might build upon much more heavier or aromatic character on it. Or I might start with a much more concentrated character of certain thing. And I might kind of pull those flavors out. So I can start something with PX. And I can use sometimes much more lighter characters to pull certain nuances about tropical fruits or, you know, you know orchard fruits. I can, I can kind of play around with that. So that's something that I like to do, uh, Alibaj. It's a very complicated process. Uh, you know, but, and it's also time consuming. In fact, I have more people working in my maturation team than I do have in my distillation team, uh, just because of the sheer complexity of things. And I play around, I, I know each and every cast and we have thousands of cast. I know all of them intimately. I know at which level they are, what peak of maturation do I need to keep it, move it. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, the amount of time that I spend on just making sure the, you know, this cast 
you know, 50 cars were moved into this and then this was moved into that other one and then 10% of that was moved into other one. Just sheer complexity. And it's not just creating complexity for the sake of complexity. It is giving me something that I value and highly regard in terms of flavor and character. So, you know, if it's hard work, that's fine. You know, I'd rather do that than, you know, get a very simple flavor profile. So that comes into the maturation side of things. Then we follow up into the blending. Again, for me, uh, blending, I'm a blender by heart, uh, by training. You know, that's why I started my career at Mahalanes. And that is where I start playing around with different tunes, uh, whether it's not as simple as, okay, I might decide to put, you know, 10 bourbon cars and five sherry and 60, 40, you know, blend it out in a tank and, you know, off you go. I will go through probably to even create one of the releases for whiskey makers. I might go with 500. They might handpick those cars depending on their maturation profile, the character I'm looking at. Then I might put them into different buckets and I call them cardinal buckets of flavor. So some might be very, very dry fruit, uh, sultanas, raisins. Some might be much more nutty characters. Some might be more spice. Some might be wood spice. Some have dry ginger. Some have tropical fruits, vanilla. Some have, uh, you know, other characters coming through from wine, acidity levels. So I'll take all this time and create pretty much uh, buckets of cardinal flavor and then try to play around and create different characters and styles. So, you know, in a way, you know, I use, uh, for me, whiskey is a, it's a, it's a language I use to express ideas and emotions. And the way I do is, is through flavors. And I like to, uh, you know, I jokingly say sometimes, uh, my son asked me, well, you know, do I, I say I paint with whiskey. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's how uh, things are. It's, it, it, it sounds fascinating, Daval, and, and it sounds to me like you're doing so many different things, uh, you know, and the, like you said, the, the different concepts, the cross domain and, and kind of taking uh, ideas from different, you know, different parts of the world, from different spirits. Um, how do you see the distillery fitting into any kind of English whiskey scene? Uh, or do you think there is such a thing at this point? as an English whiskey scene, or is it too early to say, or, or is, is it what you're doing, is it too different to fit into any kind of general scene? Yeah, I, I see myself, you know, like, uh, you have different cuisines, and, uh, you know, for me, this is the world cuisine. I mean, you know, for us, uh, I don't think that is a kind of a, a distinctive English whiskey style. Or, you know, if you have a couple of whiskeys uh, in front of you, I don't think, Anybody can pick up, oh, that's English, or by the way, that's Scotch, or that's German, or that's Japanese. Uh, I think uh, it's in very early stages. And this is the time where, you know, it's like uh, you have to get all these different ideas. And I, 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 I respect tradition, and I want to follow that, but I also want to have my own flair and my own uh, influences. Because I think uh, whiskey making, uh, you know, everybody has their own viewpoints about it there's no one right or wrong i mean there are but it's all about the philosophy of the maker what does a maker bring in you know there are a lot of artists uh, that we love you know but they all have different techniques they have different strokes the way the color they use the colors the way they use uh, their uh, the subjects and how they portray the subjects are very very different so i think this is the time uh, period uh, in the english whiskey industry where a lot of uh, you know, very interesting producers uh, are trying 
different things based on what they believe to be true, what they like to be true. Now, nobody's right or wrong. And I think it is too early to try to narrow down or put someone in a bucket. Yes, as long as people are genuinely following a proper guidelines. I mean, you know, nobody's doing something that shouldn't be done from a whiskey perspective. For me, it's more like, you know, nobody's using wood chips or using artificial maturation or something like that, a flavoring or something like that. That, sh that should not be the part of it. Otherwise, you'll destroy the whole, uh, what we are trying to create. I think as long as everybody follows something uh, and genuinely trying to make something distinctive, good based on their philosophy, I think I think uh, the world is the oyster. And that's where I, I think, I mean, everybody, even human beings. And I, I think you are a combination of the people you meet, uh, your background, where you come from, where you live, where you work, the people you interact with, the books you read. Uh, you know, the things you see that all make you as a human a human being. So why does whiskey have to be just sitting around in this one bucket and being close to outdoor? Why don't we take the good influences from, you know, all these other producers? That is food making as well. Like I, I, I'll give you one example about cooking. You know, I'm not a big cook, but uh, I do enjoy playing around with the spice and, you know, the levels. And, you know, there's a concept in Indian cooking. Uh, you know, if you when you cook certain curries, there are certain masalas uh, that you put at the very end of the process. Right. You don't put a beginning and because you you risk burning of those spices through. So I do the same thing. For me, I use a lot of French oak. And for me, French oak is kind of a seasoning. I use French oak, which gives me that aromatic flavor profile at the very end of the maturation. So only at the end, when I think the whole thing is ready, do I bring the French oak component into the whole mix to give me that aromatic flavor profile. And that concept came from my grandmother, you know? So, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, there's, I think you just have to learn, you have to evolve, but I think we want to take the best of what's out there and let's create something even more fascinating because there needs to be something about whiskey that moves you. I think whiskey is all about conversation. Uh, and I always think that any drink that you make needs to have an emotional impact on the person who is drinking it. And for me, uh, you know, that's my goal, that I'm trying to impact someone. And yeah. That's the fun part. I think it's fascinating. But you say, you, I mean, you adhere to SWA regulations, which as an English distillery, you don't have to do. And obviously you've got a strong uh, Scottish influence in terms of the team that uh, set up the distillery. Uh, so there is this kind of, you know, strong background in coming from the Scotch industry, but also these other influences that you, yeah. you've you've taken from elsewhere. It sounds like a very kind of international concept overall. Yes, absolutely, and I think I think that's uh, that's a very good way to put it because I mean, you know, there are a lot of rules. A lot of people complain of oh, certain rules. Give you, I think, the rules or the guidelines or regulation, whatever you want to call it, they give you a very good structural foundation they give you a scaffold right like you when you're building they give you a scaffold now what you build underneath it using those rules is up to you and it's your creativity and that's where i think the fun is and a lot of you know people ask me whether whether they see me or at the distillery or something like that they always ask me oh you are in england so aren't you gonna use english oak uh english oak uh, the answer is no no why i mean it doesn't work uh, so why would i just create something for the sake of story, I'm, I'm all about 
nuances. And uh, I always say that I'm all about that. My career has been about the depth, not the breadth. And that's why, you know, I go into the intricate details about different shakers. Like Oloroso, I might have 10, 15, 20 different styles of Oloroso cast in my my or arsenal. Uh, and uh, that's what I love. I mean, I love those playing with those intricate details that nuances. So first you sort out the bigger picture and then you start, it's like, you know, uh, uh, you have, you are a sculpture and you, you carve out the overall proportion or that needs to be the head and that's a body and that's a hand and the fingers needs to be this proportion. And then you start carving out those nuances, those wrinkles and those nails and how to define you make it. That's fun in that. And those small details is what actually creates that emotional impact when a person drinks it and you have that visceral experience of understanding those nuances. That's fun. And I, I like that. When, I, when someone drinks my whiskey and they enjoy it and they, they, they get into that complexity and they're trying to appreciate that, uh, you know, it's, it's like doing a talking. Uh, a liquid needs to do the talking, uh, you know, not the packaging. Yeah, packaging is important for the brand. When I'm putting something in the liquid, I want it to speak to me. I want it, uh, you know, I want that other person to listen to the story the liquid is trying to say. You know, whiskey becomes the trigger. Definitely, definitely. It needs to tell the story. But do you you see England becoming more of a whiskey drinking nation or uh, do you have more of an international focus or... Or does it matter? I mean, you're probably the closest distillery to Scotland. I'm sure you got a lot of people coming down from Scotland. But does it does it matter if England becomes a whiskey drinking nation or not? Uh, I don't think it matters to me personally. Or I think uh, for us, we have, you know, we would like whiskey to be drank in Scotland as well. And for me, for us, the focus is international. We want whiskey connoisseurs, lovers, people who love and enjoy the drink to drink our whiskey, whether they are sitting in Taiwan at a bar or whether they are sitting in some village in some country or, you know, they are in America. For us, it makes no difference. Uh, yes, I mean, I mean, we are not making our single malt whiskey just for the English market. We are making for the world market. And, you know, that's 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 our focus. But clearly, tourism must be massive for you as well. You, you must have one of the most scenic distilleries in the country. Yes, absolutely. I think uh, tourism plays a very, very important role in our whole structure, our whole business uh, our business model as well. So uh, we have over 100,000 visitors a year. And uh, last year, uh, we were among the top uh, 10 most visited distilleries in the whole of United Kingdom, including Scotland. So, you know, visitor, uh, visitor experience plays a very important role. And that's why last year we also invested very, very heavily on uh, a creation of a new whiskey maker's house, which is our bespoke, uh, you know, uh, uh, hospitality facility to, you know, do much more in-depth tours and training. Because I think it's quite important uh, for people to understand how things are made, where they are made, by whom they are made, what is our philosophy of it. And all these people, they come in because he, you also have, we, we have, you know, Lake District is one of the, you know, uh, quite popular tourist destinations. So we have all these people coming from all over the world uh, to experience the beauty of the Lake District. And so when they come, you know, that's that's a good positive thing for us. They come to the distillery, you know, they see something and then they take the bottle with them to wherever they come from. Uh, so they become like an ambassadors. 
And at the same time, we also have specific, uh, you know, whiskey or gin uh, related consumers uh, who also come to the site because they know about us and they want to know much more in depth detail about it. So I think, uh, I think hospitality, the tourism industry plays an important role in spreading the word at the same time in educating, uh, in taking the consumers uh, on a journey with us as a brand, as a company and as a category, uh, English whiskey. And how have you been doing throughout the, the the past few months under lockdown? Have you been able to keep producing? Yes. Uh, so we haven't stopped producing uh, even in lockdown. Uh, so we continued production. I think there was only, uh, I think the first week when everything was in. So we were trying to, you know, make sense of things and how things were going or, you know, uh, you know, uh, how do we plan the whole thing out? So our whiskey operations, uh, my team that, you know, works on the whiskey, gin and vodka. That has been on constant production ever since. Uh, but we also have a hospitality side of the business at the distillery, you know, our tours, we have a beast on side. So that has been shut, uh, you know, because I, I don't think it makes uh, any sense because for us, the safety of our employees uh, and also the safety of the people who come to our site is very important. So we decided to kind of close that. So uh, only the whiskey operations team uh, it's been running with uh, all the you know necessary precautions that we need to take. And for us, it's just two people that we require in the distilling side. And we have different warehouse sites. They are split with different people. So, you know, we have the, uh, based on the government guidelines, we are just following that. So luckily, we have been able to produce throughout. So, and we plan to do that. We can't wait to pay a visit to the lakes in person before too long to find out even more about Daval's work there and to sample some of the fruits of his labour. Thanks again to Daval, and listen out for our virtual trip to Yorkshire in the upcoming episode of Whiskey Talk, when we chat with David Thompson from the Spirit of Yorkshire Distillery. In the meantime, thanks for listening, and remember you can keep up to date with everything that's happening at the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society, and get much more whiskey news in our virtual members room at smws.com. Until the next time, stay safe and cheers.